you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Check football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, as always, available on iTunes and at nfl.com slash Shek. Yes, it was a fun weekend, a weird weekend, week 10 in the NFL season. We're going to break it down right now for you and perhaps look ahead to week 11, but let's not uh, get over our skis, as they say. Let's talk about everything that we saw over the weekend, including and punctuated by Rob Ryan Drinking a beer with some Saints fans after they defeated the Cowboys on Sunday night. I love it. You know, listen, I wish John Fox and uh, and everybody else all the best health. You know, all the, a lot of coaches, not just in the NFL, but otherwise, seem like they're having some stress-related health issues. Meantime, there's Rob Ryan drinking beer. See, maybe that's the, uh, a lesson for all of us out there. Let's talk about it with our main man from NFL.com. You see him on NFL Fantasy Live. It's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. I did you not- enjoy Enjoy the beer drinking? I did. Of I course I did. that. By the way, uh, Joe Madden did that when he was uh, in town here uh, managing against the Angels. He uh, lives in Long Beach and tweeted out, if there's any Rays fans in the Long Beach area, go down to Legends, I think it was, and I will buy all of your drinks for the rest of the night. Now that's that's, uh, that's stand a classic move. Stand and drinks for the fans. I love how do, it. How, but how do baseball managers then avoid the whole thing? They have to manage 162 games. Do they go out when they go just socializing at night? Do they wear their baseball uniforms out for that? You still have to. Yes. Is that right? I say I'm not clear I, on what the where what the line they do is though. There. They remove the stirrups. Fair. That I mean that only. Do makes they wear sense. cups though? <laughs> I mean, they're in the full uniform, but where does it end? Because it could be da- if you're coaching third base. Should you not have a cup on? Yes, you should. But as we've discussed on this program in the past on more than one occasion, 
NFL football players don't wear cups. Yeah. Where's the sense in that? They say, uh, well, it great, it, it really, it really ra- causes rashing. Yeah, I have, uh, I have another result that could happen to you from not wearing a cup that would be much more severe much than worse. a little rash. Yes. And yet none of them do it. They all I stand would, by it. I think it, it would go cup one, helmet two. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned. One and 1A at worst. All right, let's talk about a guy who played some football college style. He QB'd Appalachian State, which was right in there for at least the first half with uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs. He was also at the Oregon-Stanford game on Thursday night. It's Daniel Jeremiah. What's the poop with you, fella? What's going on, boys? I have to say, though, Rank, you know, the manager of the Rays going to Southern California and offering to buy drinks for all the Rays fans in the area is about (laughs) as safe of a bet as as a hockey coach going to Hawaii and saying, hey, we got any Blues fans here? I'm buying. What's that going to cost you? About eight bucks? There's a big Blues following in Hawaii, actually. Really? No, I'm kidding. And the average age of the (laughs) Rays fans anywhere is probably about 72. They're probably well past the age of drinking the hard stuff. And he probably (laughs) tweeted it out at at 9 o'clock at night. They've been asleep for three hours. (laughs) That's a great move. If If he showed up at the early bird special... At Scooter no, or later, no, yeah, then he would have been in trouble. Look, if he was, if he was, if he was like in uh, Palm Beach and said, "I'm buying at Hometown Buffet for any of our fans," I mean, then the guy's going broke. <laughs> You've uh, cracked the code here. I like that. That's a great deed. I suggest right. to anybody. By the way, that reminds me. So you know, how some people ask you hypothetical questions. I'm a big fan of of uh, wandering the halls and throwing out hypothetical questions. Right. Would you rather? Hey, if somebody was in a burning building, would you run in and save them? Kind of thing, or would you? That that kind of thing like the answer when it's hypothetical is always yes or whatever makes you look better that's the right. same thing joe madden did here float something out hey i want to stand drinks for every Rays fan in the area even though there's hardly a chance of like, there even being one there but you look like a good guy you look like a hero that's a good point <laughs> and it could, who knows the occupancy limit there maybe he's in a bar that's the size yeah. of this room it only can hold like five people so no, it's a yeah, know. It, it's a sizable place you don't even don't know think. the name of the place legends you, in long beach right on second was Street. it really yeah all right, I want to hear about uh, last Thursday, the trip up to Palo Alto. We'll get to that in a second, but let's talk a little Week 10 here. And I guess the question I, I'll, I'll start with, fellas. First of all, I say it was a weird Week 10 because if you look at the numbers, this is a quarterback league, and maybe I assume too much in assuming that the implication is when you hear it's a quarterback league is that it's a good quarterback league. But, mm-hmm. we've, but we've been shown time and again that there are hardly 10 or 12 good quarterbacks in the NFL. Very true. Last, I mean, this, this Week 10, Scott Tolzien outplayed <laughs> his team. His offense put up more points than Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick's uh, offenses combined. Yeah, Matt but- Ryan and Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton all outdone by Ryan Fitzpatrick, who didn't even start the game. What gives here? What, where you- were these guys coming out of that? Oh, Kellen Clemens, he didn't beat Andrew Luck. He humiliated him. What yeah. gives? Look at the teams they were playing. They, the Packers were going up against the Jags. And, or, the Lions, me, Fitzpatrick, Lions, right? Lions. Fitzpatrick was going up against the Jags, so that's you could walk off the street and pretty much throw for 250 yards against those guys. That's no big deal. All right, but you understand my larger point. Tolstein this was is going up against strange. the Eagles. Yeah. You know, again, nobody's that that Eagles defense is not stopping anybody. Is it DJ? Yep. You were a scout with the Ravens and the Eagles and the Browns. Is it hard I, for me as a, a guy who rooted for the who roots for the Steelers when the Minnesota game was coming up in London? The thing that occurred to me was, oh, they're dropping middle of the week Matt Castle on there. Well, they're not prepared for him. How real is that? Oh, we we prepared for Seneca Wallace. Wait a second. Now Scott Tolzien is. We would rather that other guy stay in there. 
I don't think it's that dramatic in terms of when you're talking about a going down in talent. If you're going from quarterback of Aaron Rodgers and you're dropping down to Scott Tolzien, anytime you're going down, I think any, obviously any defensive coordinator is going to be okay with that preparation wise. Uh, the only thing I could say maybe going to be a little bit more aggressive up front and and maybe show them some different looks. But I don't think it's a dramatic change. The only time you have a dramatic change is if you have you go from a super athletic quarterback to a stationary pocket guy, Seneca Wallace. Uh, maybe provides a little bit of that. But Seneca Wallace, I mean, that's a little bit overblown with his athleticism at this point in time. Uh, he was athlete, He was kind of viewed as a, really a super athletic quarterback a handful of years ago. Now he's gotten a little bit older, but not just that. We've seen so many big-time athletes come into the league at the position, so I, I don't think it was too much of a difference Why don't there. teams do that, though? Why don't more teams do the sort of the thing when you go to the bullpen in a, in a big league ball game if you started a right-handed pitcher, it's nice you turn the the other lineup around by throwing a lefty at them. Because you have limited practice. You have limited practice, so to try and run two different offenses to get the backups any kind of reps. Usually the, the backups, uh, rep-wise, it's you know, you're talking about maybe one to every five during the week that you're going to get. I mean, you're getting very few reps. And then to have to throw out a whole new package out there, uh, usually coaches don't want to, to, to alter their plan like that. Well, they say that Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning and everybody else is insistent he will be out there to play the Chiefs, a big divisional game. How much, because the thing I've badmouthed Peyton Manning for in the past is they always say what a great leader he is. I feel like the antithesis of leading is taking every practice snap, every single moment of every year that you've ever been on the field. Now, since he got with the Broncos, Osweiler has played some actual snaps in regular, in regular season games. But still... Isn't now the team unnecessarily worse for wear if Peyton just is like, you know, first quarter he takes a shot. It's like, ah, that's it. We, he can't go another play here. Now we got to go with this kid who's had barely any snaps. Well, I can give you two stories on that. One, uh, I had a chance at the Manning Academy to sit in a meeting with Peyton and Eli and all the college uh, quarterbacks two years ago. And they have a question-answer time, and one of the young quarterbacks asked Peyton, what about reps in terms of taking reps during the season? What's your thought on that? You know, and, and Peyton's very matter of fact, you want all of them. You take all of them. If they'll give them to you, you need to take all of them. Your butt is on the line out there. It's your, it, you're playing for yourself. You've got a family to take care of. You want to be the best you can be. Make them tell you that you're not taking a certain amount of reps. You ask for all of them. That's the way I am. And the other side, other story I'll tell you, I was in working with ESPN uh, a few years ago on the draft, just kind of like a consultant role, just helping them and, and sat in their meetings and listened to John Gruden tell a great story uh, about talking with Tom Moore, who was the coordinator for Peyton in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And Gruden asked Tom Moore, how long, how many reps did you give Jim Sorgi during the week? You know, Peyton's backup, how many reps did you get him? And he said, Tom Moore told him, look, if Peyton gets hurt, we're screwed. Why would I want to practice being screwed? <laughs> Give him all the Peyton. Peyton's taking all the reps. If Peyton's not going to play, you know, us giving Jim Sorgi ten practice reps a week is not going to make any difference. So let, let's just get to Peyton Manning ready to play. In all honesty, how many practices did Jim Sorgi show up to sober? <laughs> Jim Sorgi. Jim Sorgi. Jim Sorgi. Actually, Jim Sorgi's not not a popular man with my wife because what? no, because when I was in Cleveland, if you remember. If, if the Colts would have beaten the Titans in 07, the last right. game of the regular season, we would have gone into the playoffs. That's right. It sounds weird. The Browns, we would have been in the playoffs. All we needed was them to win. And, of course, Peyton played one series, then came out of the game, and it was a real low-scoring game, and, and Tennessee ended up winning Jim Sorgi. Uh, my wife was like, "Who is it? Where's Peyton?" She didn't, I was trying to explain her. Well, you know, they're trying to keep him healthy for the playoffs. But there was a lot. But of, then she would still live in 
Cleveland. And we they, never and, had to live in Cleveland. I covered that was my deal when I left the Ravens to go to the Browns. My only stipulation was, look, I live in California. I, I, I'm happy to come over here. It's a it's upgrade in, in pay and responsibility, but I'm not leaving California, and they were okay with that. So I scouted the whole country from California. How interesting! That's wow. Uh, that, I didn't realize that DJ was in such high demand that well, he could be like, look, I'm staying in California. Well, I mean, I had a good gig. I was in Baltimore. We, you know, those that's a great organization, and you could be there for a long time. But to go to Cleveland at that time, Cleveland was coming off of a pretty bad year, and it was a little bit of a risky move. But I, I worked with Phil Savage, and I worked with TJ McCrate, the other two guys. They're close friends, and it was a great opportunity. So I took. Don't think, just answer. What's the best uh, AFC North City? Best AFC North City? To live in, I'm talking about. To live in? Best food, best looking women. I like how you said don't think. I and know. He, he, he took he my well, thing. It's not really he fair because stuff. I lived in Baltimore for two years, my first two years. So that's there. out. So I've lived there. I've I In Cleveland, I was there for meetings. I, I was, you know. I, Cleveland would not be the winner for me. I haven't spent enough time in. I've been obviously been in Cincinnati. I've been in Pittsburgh, but to compare it to Baltimore, where I actually lived, I would probably. It's still, funny. I would think as a scout, you've been everywhere. That's what we have, have to figure but out. It's too. different to have lived someplace as opposed to have gone to games at. In a black tie behind the glass. Let's make that an off-season project for us to help all the free agents out there. Like right after the Super Bowl ends, before free agency begins, let's try to figure out what the best city is so we can guide these free agents when they come to visit us in Studio 66. We'll have some information for them. I think I'd like to put you, you know, I'd like to put you into into Denver, Colorado. I think that's going to be a nice fit, you know, that kind of thing for for whoever, you know, we'll analyze it. Now, what about this? So the Sorgi story is nice. It's a funny story, but it's not funny for the Broncos right now because they are in a spot where they could, uh, there may be the best team in the AFC. So if Peyton Manning can't go for a couple or a few weeks, and unless he's done for the season, then in all likelihood. The Broncos are probably done. They can't get through January, but they do have such, they do have a lot of talent, and the AFC is pretty crummy top mm-hmm. to bottom. There aren't a lot of really good teams in the conference. Certainly at the top, I could see Brock Osweiler, unless he's a bum. I could see him managing things enough that they can still. Let's say they beat the Chiefs this weekend. I could see them surviving and maybe even getting one of the top two seeds with Osweiler. So in that case. Now haven't they done themselves a disservice by not giving him rest? I don't think so. And I don't think – look, you go anywhere in the National Football League, the backup quarterback, like I said, he's maybe getting one out of every five or six reps if he's lucky. So I don't know if those extra you know, 20 reps a week are going to keep him ready. Look, if he, if they know he's going to have to play on Sunday, they have a full week to get him ready, then he's got – that's enough time for him to be a, to be a functional quarterback. But I, your job is to win game, games every single week, and you need to have Peyton Sharp. And with the limits on the practice time that we have, there's only so so many reps to go around. I, I, I look at it from a standpoint, if I'm a starter, I want as much prep work. I want to be able to see this blitz you know, four times in practice instead of two times in practice because I might see a different reaction from my receiver. I might learn something in that rep that would be wasted if I'm giving it to Brock Osweiler. Quick question for both of you fellas. Are you concerned about the Colts after they got humiliated at home by the Rams? Rank. Yeah, I was berated by Michael Irvin yesterday in the green room. I don't know what that means. Why? We were watching the games, and, you know, I casually had mentioned something about how Andrew Luck, you start him every week in, in uh, fantasy football, and he grabs my arm, and he's like, Adam, we did not put enough thought into how big of a loss Reggie Wayne was going on and on about interesting Reggie Wayne. point, yeah. Yeah, so he said that, you know, he's like, we, you know, and he was saying we didn't do that on our own show. We didn't spend enough time talking about how difficult it's going to be to overcome this loss because you see T.Y. T- Hilton's a nice player and everything, but 
DHB is awful. Like mm-hmm. as a professional football player compared to other oh, receivers that's who what you're play. About. Yes, as a I'm football not, player. As a football player, I don't want to say I love. But you don't know him as a man. <laughs> he's not very good at catching a football, which is something that he's paid to do. Yes. So he's not very good at it. Griff Whalen isn't really uh, – he was targeted a lot two weeks ago, and I believe that they just looked at film and said, we could probably put our defensive tackle on this guy, and he will cover Griff Whalen. But and he's Le'Von, got Kobe Fleener. Le'Von Brazil needs to develop just a little bit more. So in the, in the immediate future, it's going to be a problem. But hopefully they can start getting those. Am I no? Look, I, th- and they can't run. No, that that to me. Look, the, the issues not being able to run the football, not being able to pass protect going forward. I think those are something to be concerned about. But my thing is, when you have to be up, when you look at their previous four games, Seattle. Okay, that's that's an emotional toll to get up to play that team. Follow that up at San Diego. Go across the country. Okay, Denver. That, that's the big emotional game. Houston, a big come from behind primetime road game. I mean, they've had to be up for so I long. I buy it. I buy it. I think eventually you're going to have a game where you can't get back up to that level. You, but you are work, they? You work 16 days a year, and then you're going <laughs> to mail one in. It happens. How to, hard it, is it, this? it happens. It happens to everybody. It is a great question. What you know? I I buy that. That's one of those things that people fl- that players and coaches float too much. But that ranks right on a human level. Shame on you. I get it. On one hand, on the other hand, it is. He does make a good point. All right, Sunday night, we won or we lost. Then you relax on Monday. I mean, I know, I know we say it's one day, but look, when when you're uh, when you're having to play against the Oakland Raiders, maybe or somebody else early in the season, they, they'll never they'll never admit this. But do you think they're putting in an extra two hours of tape work every day? Do you think they're you know putting in all that extra time you have to put in when you as opposed to when you're playing Peyton Manning coming back to your place and you got a divisional game against Houston and all of a sudden the Rams are coming to town? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how you don't eventually have one of those kind of stinker games. And if they have another one at Tennessee Thursday night, we'll be watching. Then then it's major cause for concern. And I, I do agree the Reggie Wayne thing is big. All right, we you know always why you like- don't have one of those because you're a professional. And it's what you get paid to do. <laughs> a lot, too. Yes. We, uh, you know, we like to talk about the, the QB class or those uh, that yep. two-year window of young QBs. Whose who's wide receivers would you rather have right now? You don't have Reggie Wayne. Would you rather have the Colts receivers right now or the Redskins receivers right now? Because neither one seems o- overwhelming to me in, in terms of talent. Wow, I don't P- Pierre Garçon's played pretty well. He's been He's great. And I'll tell well. you what, in the fact, I, I would take Jordan Reed over, over Kobe Fleener. So I might have to go with the Redskins on I would that say one. if he could bind both two teams, that Jordan Reed would be the number one guy. Let's do this. It's a little something that we sort of stumbled into a couple of weeks ago, and and, uh, and and now I like doing it. I like for Daniel Jeremiah, scout, NFL scout, to open up his his cold case files oh boy. and look back and tell us what he thought at the time when the kid was in college, how you rated him. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles. Did you see Nick this Foles? guy being a good one? You know, it's interesting because I was in Philadelphia when we drafted him, and I was, you know, I was lukewarm on him, gave him a mid-round grade. Um, I had some concern. Just look, he's, he's, he was a great basketball player. It was kind of weird. So you expect him to be this great athlete, but you watch him move around at Arizona, didn't move around that great. Um, had a good arm, not a, not a huge arm. I think his arm might even be a little bit stronger now than it was when he came out, but he was very accurate, and that was to his credit. He was he, something like 68% of his passes at Arizona. Hmm. Um, but to answer your question, we took him a little bit higher than my grade suggested. I mean, I, I put him in the mid-rounds. Andy Reid really liked him. Um, so, you know, it's one of those deals where the guy's just – I mean, the lights come on. He's in a great, he's in a great setup here. I, I tweeted out this kind of interesting nugget that 
look at Chip Kelly's current quarterback, full 16 touchdowns, no picks. His former quarterback at Oregon, Mar- Mariota, 22 touchdowns, no picks. That's a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of picks in that offense. All right, bouncing around here, I want to get your uh, your uh, insider analysis on a couple of things. Why don't we see the we see the Saints and Rob Ryan, who you know statistically over the course of his career has not put out world beater defenses, but they look good on Sunday night, obviously taking down Tony Romo and company. How do you reckon that? You know, it, it was by halftime, it was kind of like with uh, Collinsworth and Michaels. It was sort of like, well, look at what Rob Ryan's doing. They just has two guys getting them right off the line. What, what are they supposed to do? If it's that easy, why doesn't everybody do that every week to Des Bryant? And why don't they do that to Calvin Johnson? Well, you know, it is a copycat league, and we've seen a little bit more of it against Calvin Johnson. I think you will start to see it catch on a little bit, especially when you get in a, in a must-pass situation. A little bit risky, and you're going to donate. If you're going to you know, put two of your assets on defense on one guy outside there, and then you're in a, a run-pass situation for the team, uh, I think But you get a team in a, in a spot where they're third down and, and you need to put the ball in the end zone, I think we'll see a lot more of that. Um, hey, you know, look, it, it worked. You know, and it, the other thing is if they run a toss – and they're outnumbered. Everybody be wow. We got two guys over there playing punt coverage on a receiver, and we get beat on a toss. We I mean, how how unsound is this defense they're running? So it worked out. And I think we will see a little bit more of it. Is Matt Stafford DJ's- just way better than Tony Romo? Is it that simple? Because I because again that receiving receiving core comparison. I think I would. I mean, I guess I would take the Cowboys over the Lions. You, you, I'll Jason Witten, borderline future Hall of Famer. Terrence Williams looks good. Period. I'll take those two over mm-hmm. what the Lions run out there over Pettigrew and, and company. Yeah, it's, DJ. Yes. Let me help you out here. Yo, for it. No, no. Matt Stafford is not better than Tony Romo. Like, I'm. Why would you, oh, thank I'll you take, for I'm your sorry. help, Black I'm Guy. Because I know DJ's put in a tough spot when you say these crazy things, and him being a we, professional. Why is scout, that crazy? Can we, can him being a the, professional scout, he's probably like, "Oh my god, speaking what am I of, doing here?" Speaking of professional DJ scouts, can he can out. he answer it? <laughs> the the first you. overall <laughs> pick might be more talented than the guy that wasn't well, drafted. That's assu- ludicrous. Assu- assuming that my mic doesn't get pulled down right now, I'm sure this isn't even going to make the podcast. So just start cursing. I would take Matthew Stafford over Tony Romo. Are we DJ, – you, that's I'm, based I'm, on potential, though, right? I would, would you, take Matthew you Stafford think he's a better over Tony player right now? If I had to go win a game at the park tomorrow, I'd take Matthew Stafford over Tony Romo. Yes, he's got more too. arm talent. He's, a, he's got a freaky arm. He does not take sacks. Look up his sack. They didn't get sacked again last week. Gets the ball out of his hands so quick. Uh, everybody likes to say, well, he just throws the ball up in the air to Calvin Johnson. I, don't, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think he does a good job directing that offense, gets the ball out of his hands. And he's explosive. I think he's got some swagger too. Oh, for I mean, what look, you at, can look, tell. look at that comeback win they had against Tony Romo, where he throws that corner route yep. about fifty yards across the field. That's a rare throw. Yeah, black tie for somebody who enjoys body language as much as you do. I think you would uh, you would appreciate what Matt Stafford has going. I, I agree. I agree. And uh, I guess I don't know DJ as well as I thought I did. But um, <laughs> he really by the way, speaking of, body, speaking of body language and, and Matt Stafford, coming up later, the first You're ever not- body language breakdown. Please tell me you didn't didn't tease that. Terrific. I just did. What time code that so you can cut it? We're out. gonna have the blacklist too, which is exciting too. That's always fun when we get into the blacklist. I'll tell you what it is. It is an honor to be on the Black Tie Podcast. It really is every week to be able to come in here. <laughs> it's evolved. Did that we way. actually change it to that? I wasn't. Well, I don't know. Did I'm, you actually make that change? Have with you the checked iTunes lately? No, I didn't realize that's <laughs> now the Black Tie. Well, DDFP so cool. with. Black <laughs> Hey, um, a lot of divisional games coming up this weekend yep. as well. You got Browns at Bengals, which 
uh, laugh all you want, but the, the Browns one. win that one. They're a game out. Redskins and the Eagles, another big one. The Eagles can put away the Redskins, essentially, with a win for the rest of the season. The Eagles, as I said last week, are going to win the NFC East. I saw nothing. they got to win a home game, though. Agreed, but I, I, I saw nothing based on I, – I know that they only they beat Scott Tolzien, but the they still – they're – uh, if you look at what they have coming up, they're not a great offense. I mean, a great team. So, you, so that when you look at their schedule, there's not there's no game you say, oh, they're definitely going to win that. There's yeah. no walkover game for them. But I mean, they they play at Minnesota, for instance. You can't just assume that's a win. But if they're halfway decent, that's a game they should win. And they round things up with uh, with the Cowboys. So that should be good at the end of the season. That's a good. By, one. by the way, remember remember a couple weeks ago in here when when the question was, you know, Chip Kelly's offense doesn't work, and that was kind of the narrative around the country. They're first uh-huh. in the league in rushing. Ninth and passing, and, and you corrected us. And they're they're getting good quarterback play. I mean, that's the whole thing. Everybody talk about scheme this, scheme that. Quarterback plays well, makes any scheme look good. And right now, he's playing pretty well, and and their offense is rolling. You called it, and so I I hail you. Um, the que- two more things I want to ask you about, though. So, um, in in a weekend that is going to, that where the focus will largely be, although the Saints and Niners is a pretty interesting game too, uh, largely about these divisional games and how it will define the divisional races. The Ravens at Bears is fascinating because on one hand you're going to have McNown playing for the Bears at home in a game that they really need in a, yep. in, a in a tough division now. And then the Ravens, who steal one in spite of putrid offensive output on Sunday, <laughs> at home, and they almost throw the game away or, uh, um, you know, the, the fluky Hail Mary. But what gives with their inability to run? Is Ray Rice bad now? I mean, no. is he hurt? Is he ruined? Is it the line? What? No, they're a little bit beat up up front, but they changed philosophies, really. Uh, you know, Juan Castillo came over from Philadelphia, and uh, – and I was I was there with Juan Castillo in Philadelphia, and I and I worked in Baltimore. So you've got two totally different styles there, and and I think what what Juan wants to do a little more of the zone scheme stuff, where you're going to need a little more athleticism. And the Baltimore offensive line is really kind of built to bang. They're kind of a come off the ball power team, uh, and right now I think you know some of that transition period as they're trying to switch styles, so to speak, uh, it, it's not going well. They they have not found a rhythm yet with their running game, uh, and it. It's hard to make sense of it because when you look at them up front individually, um, they have one of the better offensive lines collected. You know, just one guy right down the line, one of the better offensive lines in the league, and they, they cannot run the ball. Will well, they I, click I, at some point? I mean, will they figure it out, or is it something like Ray Rice is just not going to have a good rest of the season? I mean, I, I don't know if there's any evidence to say that it's going to get turned around from what, what we've seen. I haven't seen any positive signs, so. It's a funny thing because, uh, you know, I, I, I always uh, put the caveat in front of any time I begin talking about offensive lines, like 99.9% of people who watch football, including most of the players, I cannot look at an individual offensive lineman when I'm watching a game on mm-hmm. TV and evaluate how good or bad he is. But I, I, I can tell enough that collectively, if you're getting a nice push and you're and, and, and the running back is uh, is getting a yard deep before anybody puts a hand on him, I can tell that the offensive line is doing well. Ergo, last January, I could see that when Cam Cameron went and all that noise about him moving out, the real trick was that they shuffled that offensive line and whatever mm-hmm. magic yep. they figured out. All of a sudden, Joe Flacco was upright for as long as he wanted to be, and they were pounding the ball on the ground. So how it's the same pieces. What gives? Well, you've got a, a few different pieces. Burke's out at center. Oh, so Burke's got, out. That's got, a big one. Well, I mean, because people point at McKinney, but he was a spare part to throw out yeah. there. The so you replaced it. Burke last last out, year right. you had McKinney at left tackle. You had Orr at right tackle. And then they kicked Osamelli in. Who's he, He's on IR, I believe. 
the big guard to, to team up with Yana. And Yana's not playing as well this year. Yana's one of the better guards in the league, hasn't played as well this year. So um, shuffling in a couple new parts, some some new schemes, some guys having down years, I think it's kind of all coming together. And, look, Ray, Ray Rice doesn't have the same juice that he did when he was you know, a little bit younger. He's got a lot of tread on those tires. Last thing on the pro level. Who is going to get this AFC wild card beside the runner-up in the AFC West? Is it Baltimore? Because you told me before, I because yeah. you and I talked, I said, the Bengals are the class of that division, but Geno Atkins goes out. You said you talked to Ravens people, and they said, hey, we're positioned now that if we beat the Bengals, we're yeah. in fine shape the rest of the way. Yeah, you I mean, I think they're still, that. I think, you know, even as looked pretty, I think they're still right in the middle they're of the They're positioned thing. fine, yeah. but, they, I mean, but their offense couldn't be more wretched. No, it doesn't look well, but, I mean, you know, you, you'll find out a lot this week. I mean, get the Bears' backup quarterback, although the backup quarterback's playing pretty darn good. Uh, on the road, I think this is kind of a telling game for them. They picked that one up. Uh, I think they'll feel really good about their chances. Who's going to win the uh, Who's going to win the the KC game? Actually, DJ, I'll start with you. <sighs> KC is it at Kansas City? No, it's at Denver. Denver at night. Uh, uh, I'll take Denver. Rank, I'll say you. Yeah, this just seems like a Denver game. I mean, it's hard to say when we don't know if Peyton is going to take a lick early in the game or he'll get out there and maybe it'll be chilly and he won't realize how stiff his leg is. And It's not like I've seen the game, Dave, and have come back to, from the future and been like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, see, so I can't why, predict that kind of That's stuff. why you and me need to fire up our, uh, our juiced-up DeLorean and jump into the future to find Does out. Does anybody love it. a hypothetical more than Damashek? I love it. It's That's great a great. Fun. I mean, it's like anything. Question. It's like who, who do you, who do you like in the uh, who do you like in the Heat game tonight? Well, I'd probably go with the Heat. What if LeBron gets an ankle injury yeah. in the second quarter? I, mean, how are you gonna, I don't what are you play do it that. I'm not cheap what, like that. I don't what, do. What if Spolster is sick and it doesn't show up? And then they I just don't roll play that Hokum. But let me tell you what I do like. I like growing up and watching. <laughs> yeah, and and like what watching if LeBron James has a bad hoagie. I don't do that business most of the time. I'm just telling you something. I would watch. How's Sports the podcast going to be today? I don't know. Is Black Tie sick? Is he going to be there? <laughs> well, then I would know how it would be. Yeah. The uh, the the uh, um, I, I I would watch Sports Center and Peter Gammons would become I, would be on there, and I love. I used to always say that's the gig for me because what what you do is DJ to some degree at least is yeah you have to project out what it's going to be but it's based on results. You have to look at the film and break it down and from that derive your opinion. Not me. I recklessly speculate in advance, just like Gammons. Gammons would be like, hey, you know who would be good on that team? That left-handed reliever. That's what they should do. And people would be like, whoa, that's a great idea. That's what I like to try to do. I just throw out ideas. You can you know, take I, them. You I, don't I, have I've, to. I've given you, I've given you a hard time for your obsession <laughs> with trades. But I will tell you, as a kid, as a Padre fan, that's what I lived for. It was always like, okay. Oh, so you're comparing me they, to no, a young child. They, no, that's what they would do. They would, <laughs> kind of. you, you'd go and they'd have. Uh, they used to do it on TV all the time. You'd see it in the newspaper. It'd be like, you know, five trade, five potential trades for the Padres. And of course, we're getting all these great players and these potential. Never, oh never, yeah, never happened in a million years. Uh, but it was always kind of okay. I could see him. I used to. I used to take out a piece of paper with a pen and I would draw I would do the lineups so I'd have like okay we got Gwynn in left now we can put him in center and put him at third base I'd draw up the lineup with all these players we're never going to get in a million years so in my soul Dave I do have some of that in me alright DJ before you walk out yep. talk about the college football for a second here you were there in Palo Alto an impressive win based on might over speed yep. I know people are very excited about uh, all that you know old school guys love that there's still a place for, for brawny ball over flash and dash is Stanford though 
I, well, I don't want to get in your way and tell you, but I, I, I want you to talk about what you want to talk about. But to me, what do you think about Stanford being ahead of Baylor? Un, I mean, they unblemished Baylor, and they yeah. whipped Oklahoma, which was a top-10 team. Well, that's just their first test. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how they do uh, coming down the stretch. Both teams have big games still remaining. Uh, USC is going to be a, a, a decent game here I for Stanford this week. So we'll see how they do there. Uh, but the, the game itself, I mean... It was third and two. It was Stanford was in third and two the entire game. I think at one time they were like ten of twelve on third down. I mean they just kept hammering them on with the power over and over and over again. And Oregon was kind of helpless to stop it. I mean one thing you know, and watching them, I've heard this from one of my personnel buddies, but then haven't seen it up close. Offensively, yeah, Oregon might be a little bit better than they were last year, but as a team, especially defensively, you look at how good Kiko Alonso is. You take him out of a college defense, that's a major loss. Uh, some of it wasn't them just getting destroyed up front. Some of it was the linebackers not filling in the right spot and getting wiped out. So uh, I don't think this Oregon defense was, was quite up to, to the challenge. So it doesn't reflect poorly on Marcus Mariota as look, a he pro didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play well. He had a knee. I mean, it was the, the said that he had an MCL sprain or something before the game. So he never took off to run. That's a big part of his game. Uh, when you when you take that away, I mean, there was times where he had lanes where you just like go go. He, he wouldn't do it, so he wasn't totally comfortable there. He missed a deep ball early in the game, missed some underneath throws, but then he also made a cross body throw that was big time. Made a you know fourth and twelve late in the game. Uh, he throws mm-hmm. a touchdown pass, so you saw enough to feel you know feel okay about him. I did talked you talk to, to him. Uh, I did not. I stood right next to him down the field just to kind of get a look at him. He's bigger than I thought he was. Is he? Uh, yeah. And he's throwing – his arm is stronger this year than it was last year. What do you listen to? Tape. So you're just sizing them up. You go stand next to them to yeah. kind of give a, a an old school kind of like, oh, he's that much taller than I am kind of. Yeah, thing. you want to see and just kind of what kind of frame they have. Some of these guys you look and see, okay, he's really narrow – He's not going to get much bigger. Mariota is going to get a little bit bigger. He's going to add some more weight. I think that the coaches said he's he's about two fifteen to two twenty right now. He could probably put on another ten pounds. What would happen if Stanford, because Oregon's now done, yeah. Stanford beats well, Stanford played Bama? What would be the result of that? I, I think up up front it, they would be okay. Bama would not run the ball down their throats. Their their front would hold up okay. I think. Uh, Stanford would run the ball a little bit against Bama, but I think the difference would be the skill players on the outside that Bama has. I think they'd give trouble to, to, to the Stanford secondary. I told your fellow scout, Bucky Brooks, and our colleague that uh, that Bama was going to house uh, LSU this time. He scoffed yeah. at that. Matt Money-Smith scoffed at that. No, LSU's defense is too good. Is it now looking to you like Bama can't lose to anybody? I don't see it. I mean, Missouri, the one thing about Missouri, they that, they got some huge receivers, man. That Doriel Green-Beckham had four touchdowns last week. If they were to run into them in the championship game, uh, maybe he could give them some trouble. The problem is, like you said, I, I tweeted this out during the game, watching that LSU-Bama game. What's different about those two teams kind of really than everybody else in the country, you have big teams. We talk about Stanford, that's a big team. We have fast teams. Talk about Oregon. That's a fast team. Bama and LSU, those two teams, they always have big, fast, athletic teams. They have everything. They can play the power game, but then they have the athletes to play the other game as well. I saw your tweet, and then you get out of here because we got to do the blacklist, and we got to do the uh, whatever it is, the body language rankings of black tie. We'll get to those in a minute. Should just, we just throw it to black tie and just be done with it? We'll just yeah, let's just see. walk out of here. Uh, but before that, I had to take one small issue. I thought it was a sweet uh, little uh, note that you sent out the other night when you were watching college football, and you were helping one of your kids with one thing, and you were doing playing a game with the others. The only issue I had was. 
And and then also that you're tweeting. You're like, I'm so busy. Well, then how do you have time to tweet? Oh, you know, there's all, come all. on. It's in your hand. Piece of cake. And second Fire of all, off. but the bigger one was you're playing the game called Life, the, the board oh, yeah. game Life. Life is okay. But first, I of, all, to, first of all, it's it's 2013. It was on an iPad that we were passing around. So it's You're not, kidding. Oh, I didn't oh, know that was yeah, a possibility. Setting up the board. Come on. We don't have time for that. But I don't. You That's like, why I have time to tweet because we're playing on an iPad. I don't like when old to the next schoolers. Player. I don't like when old schoolers do. So you held up the game to send out a tweet. No, I had already. That's I, had already I had already spun the know. wheel. I had already. I had already changed careers. I hand the iPad off to my daughter, and then I said, "You know, I look tweet. I'm playing life." What are the best board games? I I advised Bla- uh, DJ over the Twitter. I said, "Play Risk. Risk is to me is the is the gold standard Risk. of board games." I used to like Clue. I was a big Clue guy. Clue's pretty Clue's going good. Up. The problem with Clearly. risk is that you make a run mm-hmm. and, you know, you just start, you know, mowing through all these countries and then you find out how vulnerable you are. And then somebody else makes another run. Not if you play then, smart. No, nah, there's Here's no. what you do. Pro tip. If you do try risk, take Australia or South America, you win. Just make that your stronghold. All your all your offensive surge from that place. Just make sure you leave enough troops back home to protect the uh, the citizens. You know, that's all. I like Clue. I like Clue Clue's very solid. much. I think that may be. Do they do an? Uh, do they do a Clue Junior? We got a Clue Junior. Really? Yeah. And do they do that for the iPad as well? I don't know. That one we have the board. That one we do the board. Good. Well, see, my kids are so young that we're still we we go back and forth between uh, Candyland and Shoots and Ladder. That's good. That's good. We're and a I, big Yahtzee family too. When I was really up, a lot oh, of Yahtzee. Oh yeah, tons of Yahtzee. Yeah. We Is did it, Boggle a lot. Yeah, my we're, brother was. I sucked at Boggle. My brother used to kill me in that game. The cool thing about Yahtzee was it was my dad's way of teaching me how to play craps later on. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sweet lesson. Yeah, he wrote, I, uh, he wrote that in the Father's Day card, I'm sure. <laughs> and as as Rang knows, he I goes don't know never you... bet the field. Here you go. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Here's how you palm a third die. <laughs> um, the um, yeah, that, well, I, I I know Rank knows this, but uh, I am the king of Connect Four. I retired some years ago, but I. When I was playing, it's a good travel game. Yeah, those little no, travel it's, sets. It's a great game. Period. There, yeah. You don't have to put adjectives in front of it. It's just a great game. It's just a big tic tac toe game. No, no, no. See, that's why I would humiliate you if I still played <laughs> competitive four. I would teach you a lesson that you would never forget. Unfortunately, I now only play recreational four. All right, Can DJ. You play recreationally. That's how I play. Yeah, I just don't bring the passion. I don't bring the intensity to it. That how I do you dial did. it down? You just you just gotta let it go because if you you know what it's like. Dick Vermeil, you know, that's the what like I am sort of without the tear. I didn't weep very much playing four, but it, it was an exhausting experience. By the time I was done, I had nothing left. I was I was tapped out physically, mentally, emotionally. And once I won my third straight title, what left is there to prove? You know, there's nothing else to do. Here's I wanted the question, to go out though, if, you, if you ever knew you were in a bad spot, did you ever pretend like you accidentally flipped the thing underneath and all the <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But what I did used to do, and my sisters never caught me when we would play Monopoly, I would consistently before the game started, I would set the game up. I would right. always stash a few bills oh, under the board well, I'll, I'll, and pull them out. And somehow they would never see my, 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 my favorite My favorite cheating story, uh, we'd play Uno. And so I go to the, uh, I would say, I'm going to get something to drink. Anybody want anything? And I'd go in there and I would always stash a couple Uno cards in there, lessen my load. So I'd come back out there, and then like later on that evening, my mom's making supper, and she goes in there, and she just screams, "My Daniel James!" And so I come out, I'm like, what, "What's going on?" So I just found a, a yellow four and a red two in the refrigerator, 
I'm like, yeah. hey, you gotta do what you gotta do to win. You gotta pocket this. Your father's those. a reverend. I know. I, you know, it's competitive. What, I what difference does die. it make? Because that, because you think he would what smile on that? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I said he's a reverend. I thought you said a reverend. No, there's a difference. <laughs> there, there, who cares? There's a difference. He would probably like that. There's, a, a there, there's definitely a difference between being a pastor and being a pastor's kid. You can get away with cheating if you're a pastor's you're kid. You're expected oh, is that to. Right? Yeah. You've got you've got something to live up to. He's the bad boy. Yeah, he's yeah. the black sheep of. Uh, Didn't you even <laughs> see Footloose? <laughs> <laughs> All no, right, there he goes. All right, boys. He's at Move the Sticks on Twitter, and we love to see him every week. He makes us look smarter when it comes to uh, pro football talking. I'm going to start dropping some of this knowledge on the uh, NFL Fantasy Live, especially those nuggets about the Ravens and changing philosophies and Juan Castillo. Yeah, but don't give him any credit. Absolutely. Say, like not. I've been breaking down film the you last know, couple weeks, and here's what I've observed. Absolutely, I never. I would never think to give Daniel Jeremiah more credit. Oh, Jeremiah, he's on the other side of the glass talking to black tie right now. Hey, DJ, I got to tell you one thing. <laughs> talking to you. So how, how many shows operate like this? People just yell yeah, to people just in yelling, the other room. Yelling at the I have to tell you something. I brought up to our pal Darren Sharper, who knows a thing or two about Drew Brees, having spent time with him in New Orleans. I said, hey, Daniel Jeremiah observed that Drew Brees has a tell that when he's about to throw the ball long, and before I could get the sentence out, he said, oh, he tilts his head back, right? And I said, yes, is that old news? He said, yeah, but you can't stop it from happening. We have to do a proper investigation into this. By the way, I used their uh, anecdote about looking for the cookies, and that's now my hashtag. When he he looks up and throws a a bomb, it's hashtag looking for cookies. Oh, you've set, see? Well, it's, it's Daniel Jeremiah. Everybody knows this. Well, they don't know that, and you're going to get credit for it, just like you are for other uh, little tidbits he just shared with you. Oh, I really like that, though. Yeah, little cookies, you could call them. Yeah. All right, let's get into it now. What are we doing now, Black Tie? Are we getting into some uh, some blacklist action here? Let's do it. The blacklist. Black Tie reads current events. The blacklist. Damn the check and wreck if they're coming. The blacklist. The blacklist. What's going on, guys? All right, let's start it off, guys. We saw a really good defensive battle. Yes, we on did. Sunday with yeah. Niners, Panthers. A lot of talk was that's a big boy game. That's you know that's a big boy game. This is two teams going at it, slugfest. And let's, I mean, I I, I don't want to call people out, but come on, let's be honest. There's Everybody no with their cliches. Yeah, yeah, let's be honest, guys. It was two teams, great defenses, but also two teams with very lackluster offenses. So my question, my first question to you guys is. Can either of those two teams, or like the Chiefs playing the Broncos this week, can either of those two teams take down the real big boys, the Breezes, the Mannings, well, one Manning, not the two Mannings, and a healthy A-Rod? Can they take those guys down? Well, you're not going to hold those. You're not going to hold the Broncos. The short answer is no. You're not going to hold the, if you're saying by the same uh, statistical measure, no. You're not going to keep the Broncos to 10 points or 9 points in a game. So then it becomes about the defense. One, I mean, the offense is stepping up and putting up, you know, at, at least in the mid-20s, you would think, to be able to be realistically in a game with one of those, uh, you know, uh, assuming that they're playing at home, too. If the, if the Saints are at home, you're going to have to put up, I would think, a minimum of mid-20s to low-30s in order to uh, – in order to to hang into that game. Look who's coming through the door as we speak here, all the way from England. Big Dolphins fan. It's Handsome Hank. Hello, Handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, we're, we're, we've dispensed with your music because because we're right in the middle of the blacklist. That's already, fine. So you're I don't joined mind. us here. I say, but black tie, so my longer answer is, 
that I think you are assuming too much to say that those are those aren't good offenses. First of all, I love that the Niners can grind you on the ground. And I think once you have Manningham, who's back now, Vernon Davis, Kaepernick leans on Vernon Davis a ton, much more than I think people recognize. Bolden, and then if you get anything out of Michael Crabtree, that offense then becomes dynamic and allows Kaepernick to run around some. And I, I guess it's TBD on what that Panthers offense can be. But I do like how hard Jonathan Martin runs combined with the ability to, to break uh, – Jonathan uh, Jonathan Martin, excuse me. He's on my brain for some reason. I don't know why he's in my head these days. <laughs> but Jonathan Stewart, now a nice combo to go along with uh, D'Angelo Williams, who had the game-breaking play in a game short on game-breaking plays. So um, – I'll say yes, and there it's hard to quantify. It's easy to look and say, hey, this quarterback throws for 450 yards and their offense is prolific and they break records. There's a, it's, it's harder to quantify the physical toll of a beating. You know, it's a, right. We talk about Stanford. It's hard for a team that doesn't take that level of physical beating to suddenly rise up and handle that. And I think that even though it's easy to just say, oh, that, uh, that high-powered offense will roll them, I don't know. If you, if you really are, are smacking them around by the second half and definitely into the fourth quarter, lot, you, you really do see over time. You see teams just lose their will to tackle. Rank, how say you? I agree. I think that when you get quarterbacks that start getting – who aren't used to getting punished like that, maybe – it just starts to get into their head. You start thinking about it, they start moving the ball quicker. I think you saw that with Luck. I think he started to look different after he took a few shots from the Rams on Sunday. I don't think that they're – yeah, that's it, it's hard to quantify. Handsome Hank, how say you? I think especially the Panthers might well be the best defense in the NFL right now. I mean, them and the Seahawks, it's a pretty good discussion between those two. But uh, I don't think that they've – right now, I'm not sure that they've got the firepower to – when it comes to it, like I can't see them going toe-to-toe with the Saints, for example, in a playoff game and coming away with a win. Black tie, what's next? Agreed. All right, well, let's just quickly around the room. Who does have the best NFL defense? If you have, if the referees are allowing, or if they're liberal with allowing those big corners of the Seahawks to manhandle guys inside that five yard uh, off the line of scrimmage, Browner, by the way, might be out for a little while. Yeah. Brandon Browner. Yeah, that's bad news. But, it, it, but, uh, but, and as those players, uh, those pass rushers are now coming back and getting up to speed with Seattle, I still think that that's the best one, especially if they get that split second jump off the line that uh, some analysts have told us about that they get in home field because of the noise being so so loud that the offensive line is a split second behind on uh, on the jump that the defense is getting off the ball. So, but I'll, I'll stick with Seattle. And you didn't even mention the Chiefs, Black Tie. Chiefs ain't bad. We'll see how good they are this weekend. Rank, I'll say you. Yeah, we've seen Seattle go up against some formidable offenses and do pretty well against them, kind of shut down some of the more elite receivers and quarterbacks in the game. We really need to see that from the Chiefs. We've, you know, they've talked about it a lot in the lead-up to the game against the Broncos next week is that the Chiefs have played a pretty favorable schedule, and while their defense has been impressive against the teams they've gone up against, if they can come out and slow down that Broncos offense – then that, that would probably put them – they'd make a strong case for being number one. Handsome? I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go with the Panthers. I was so impressed with what I saw. And I, Look, I don't think that the 49ers offense is particularly 
explosive any longer. I think we need to reevaluate. Um, I think it Black will be Ty. in a month, though, if they get all those. Uh, pass you catchers. might be right, but Black Tie and I were talking uh, yesterday evening um, after having watched that game, and I really kept a close eye on on the Panthers 49ers game. I don't think that Colin Cap. I think we may have to reevaluate what we think Colin Kaepernick is as a quarterback. You know, we we people had elevated him to a level last year, which he hasn't really played at, but maybe one game this season, which was which was in Week One. Um, so I, I think I'd probably go with the Panthers right now. With that said, when they play a team like the Saints, when they play a team like the Patriots, they're going to have to prove that they can do it on a consistent the basis. The NFL continues to be. It's remarkable that I kind of think, ah, sophomore slump. But, man, Russell Wilson accepted all these guys from Luck to RG3 to uh, to Tanner. Everybody's had a little bit of a, a – a, a, Colin Kaepernick isn't in his second year, but his second year is a starter. That for one reason or another, injuries, pass catchers, whatever, every, nobody's season has gone as well as it did a year ago. What, you think Andrew Luck I think falls Luck's into that category as well? I – Un- underwhelmed I, I by just, I, how, how he came out in Houston. You know I mean, the last two weeks he was he, he wasn't good in the first half last week, and he wasn't good in, on Sunday against the mediocre Rams. I think Andrew Luck might be one of those quarterbacks, though, even maybe through the course of his entire career, where he doesn't look like he's doing amazing things. But then when you look at his body of work over the course of a season and some of the tools that he's got around around him, I think we'll we should appreciate him more. Black tie. Alrighty, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, my vote would go with the Seahawks, just because, like you said, Sherman being the I think is the best. Him and Patrick Peterson, the best ball hawks in the league. It's distinctive. There's how do you prepare for something that nobody else is doing? Manhandling yeah. you off the exactly. line, the scrimmage like. All that. right, next question. Uh, it's a quarterback league, as you guys may have heard. Which team is in the most trouble right now with the quarterback situation, whether it's through injuries, like the, you know, obviously Texans now lost seven straight, or the Bengals with Dalton falling back to earth. Which team is in the, in the most rank? Uh, How say trouble? you? The Packers seem to be the, in the most trouble. I I don't see that situation getting any better. Oh, oh! The, wait till you hear this. Matt Flynn resigned with the Packers. Really? Good news. Yes. Well, if he well, couldn't well, catch we, on there, then that would officially yet, be the end of his career. That would yeah. have been, wait, he, so he hasn't signed. He hasn't signed. He is he is to sign. Yes, it's a report. He's right expected now. to sign. They also were so underwhelmed by his performance. They brought in John Skelton for a workout, according to our own Ian Rappaport. So. I'm not going to say that Matt Flynn's going to come in and just turn the league on its ear. He's played well there. This game that they got coming up against the Giants, the Giants have been playing really well recently. They might have escaped with one over the Raiders, but the Giants are still my pick to go out and win the NFC East. If the the Eagles go out and they beat the Redskins, wait, no, let me reverse that. If the Redskins beat the Eagles, then that whole thing gets – locked in there now i'm going down a path because this wasn't even the question but the packers are in serious trouble with that one the bears will be able to go on they've shown that josh mccown can go in and fill in with those guys that are going because the big thing for the packers and their situation when you have a team like the bears you still got alshon jeffrey you still got brandon marshall you can make big plays there with the packers they've lost randall cobb and not only does that hurt him in the passing game andrew michael finley right andrew michael finley it also hurts him in special teams because sometimes when you're Defense isn't so good when you your quarterback's not playing that well. You need that big boost from your special teams, and Randall Cobb could provide that. Now when you take him off both offensively and as a special teams guy, 
it hurts their offense. I think the Packers, they need to get Aaron Rodgers back as quickly as possible. I, I hear you. The only thing I would say about the Packers is they go at the Giants. They sh- they really should win that game, even though the Giants are a little bit better and it's a backup QB. The Giants aren't good. Then they're at home with the Vikings. Then the big one, Thursday night. It's our Thursday to start the Thanksgiving day. That's what their season might boil down to, you know, or at least if they want the division crown. Atlanta at Dallas, home to Pittsburgh, at Chicago. Not really scary stuff there outside of that Detroit game. They should still get a wild card. They could I would still end up being 2-3 and three after that stretch. Andy Dalton's a mess. You didn't just say NFC North, right, Black Tie? You said what contender is in is in trouble with their what, quarterback? Yeah, what 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 team is in the most trouble right now with the quarterback situation? Well, I, I think the Bears are done. I don't think the Bears are going to the playoffs. So if that's the standard, I think they're they're done for. If Jay Cutler doesn't get back ASA and P, um, and uh, and Andy Dalton, man, oh man, I, I, that was a game that they absolutely should have won. As bad as the. Uh, the defense as bad as the, uh, the the Ravens offense was that they couldn't figure out how to win that game. I mean, they put up aside from the fluky last minute touchdown, they put up ten points on a so-so Ravens defense. Handsome, how say you? Well, I, yeah, I don't think I don't see how you can give any answer apart from the Packers. Interesting stat that I that I came across. So over the last twenty-two years, the Packers have had three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre started two hundred and fifty-three games. Aaron Rodgers has started eighty-six, and Matt Flynn has started two. Suddenly. They've been brought down to earth, like as a fan of the Miami Dolphins, who I think has had you know 22 quarterbacks over the space of 22 games at one stage. You, you know, you suddenly find out that if, if you don't have a Brett Favre or an Aaron Rodgers, life is is pretty difficult in the NFL, and uh, and that, that's exactly what they're going to find out with Scott Tolzien. I could see them, you know, miss, totally missing out in the playoffs. I, it, it's possible, and you know, but we hear a lot of hey, that's true of any team. And in fact, DJ said that uh, a half hour ago. That's true of anybody. You take out the starting quarterback and you put in the backup. That's not even really true because, as I've said repeatedly this season, 10 or 15 quarterbacks are really good. They're not – forget this thing about, like, oh, the big drop-off to the backups. There are 10 or 15 QBs that are good. In the whole – I, you know, maybe there's some guys in college and maybe Brett Favre, you could get a good game or two out of him. But in the NFL right now, there are really 10 or 15 guys who are trustworthy week in and week out or close to week in and do you, week out. Do you think that that's ever been different? I mean, what I mean by that is, is I don't there, know. has it's there never been a been period in the NFL where it hasn't been the case that only 10 or 15 are starting and probably the next 40 are pretty much interchange? I mean, like, we're not even talking about Mark Sanchez. No, right I'm now. sure. I'm sure. You know, I'm sure that you're right about that. It's just that they've never been so. So much uh, put on their shoulders as there is now. It's always been, oh, the most important position in sports and all that kind of stuff. But only in the last four or five years has it really been like, oh, I, every team does is throw the ball around. So, yeah, I, I, so to answer your right. question, you're right, but it's more important now. Black tie. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, next, last question on the blacklist, guys, is uh, which recently resigned QB got signed in the last offseason is the most overpaid? Options ah. are Joe Flacco, who's earning a little bit over 20 mil. Matt Ryan, who's at 20 mil as well, just a little smidge under. And uh, Tony Romo at 18 mil. Ooh. It's a good one, Black Tie. Handsome, I start with you. It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, looking at the three of them now, you'd say they're all kind of relatively overpaid. But I don't know. I, I go back to the last question, and, and I know where, where I stand on this. Which of those guys doesn't make Dave's 15? Or or do any of them not make your 15? I'd have to, I would personally say that all three of those guys, when it comes to it, they're, they are the uh, among the fifteen players that if any uh, if they if a team said this guy's up for trade I think 
teams that don't have one of those other 15 or other 12 would say, I want that guy. Boy, that's an interesting way to couch it. That, uh, but because uh, yeah, I would think Matt Ryan. To me, off the top of my head, I would say Matt Ryan is the one I would want out of those three. I, think I, I agree with you on that front. What I'm saying as well, though, is that I guess I'd pay, I'd pay, sure, you know if, if if you if and Dave again, I, I I agree with you. If the quarterback is even more important, there's a heightened importance to the most important position in sports recently, and you know you need an elite quarterback in order, and I hate that word, but I just used it. Um, you know you need one of those guys in order to be able to win in the NFL, and that's been proven with at least Flacco um, winning a Super Bowl out of those three guys, and, and, and Ryan taking his team to um, back-to-back championship games. I, I feel like you, you, you probably have to put them and say that you've paid them correctly. I feel like this will get a lot of bad... Uh, this will get a... a, a what we know is that Matt Ryan oh, – that's, that's a tough question because I guess they're all kind of overpaid. Matt, They're all flawed guys. Matt Ryan, when he has Julio Jones and Roddy White, was a play away from the Super Bowl. And early in the season, there, there were, what, two games, three games against the Saints and the Dolphins that they could have won on the last play that their season would look different right now, even right. if their number one guy was Harry Douglas currently. Until, well, Roddy White's back now. Um and and he continued to play well, Matt Ryan, even after those guys went out. But maybe that's just you know the the lousy defense and everything else. Flacco, his situation feels like it's got to be just so, you know. But then again, he had to get paid that money. If you're the Ravens, what else was the answer to that? You have to pay him that. I guess the guy who's most overpaid is Tony Romo. I know people will get upset that I say that, but again, just by the measure of what we said. Matt Stafford somehow finds a ball to get it in there to Calvin Johnson. And if Des Bryant is just a a, 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 sl- a slight notch below Calvin Johnson. He's not. I think he is, though. He's I don't not. Think he, he's not. You think he's it's a, a gargantuan yes, drop-off from one to the other? I think there's a big gap between Calvin Johnson and almost every guy to have ever played David's that position fun- in the history of the NFL. Maybe you're right. David, it's funny you, you already put him in as the number two wide receiver in NFL history, and then you're saying he's only a little bit ahead of Des Bryant. I'm talking in broad strokes. Des Bryant is the top well, a top three wide receiver right now, right, but so he's not th- that but far At the away. moment, there is a huge gap between Calvin Johnson and anyone else playing that position. All right, fair enough. And, it's and a hard Stafford, question. And Matt Stafford gets away with an awful lot. Who decided that there's a right and wrong? It's an opinion. I don't know. Anyway, Rank, I'll say <laughs> you. I've never been a I've never been a big Matt Ryan believer, but I have to go back to what Hank was talking about and imagine if all three of these guys were on the free agent market, how much they would command. They would probably get more than this. How much do you think the Cardinals would pay? For a quarterback right. of this caliber, uh, one of these three guys on the Arizona Cardinals would significantly improve that. Okay, team. that's a good that's a good way to do it. A, a good not it's not one of the top two defenses, but Arizona's defense is empirically strong. They have at least interesting pieces in the backfield. They have Larry Fitzgerald against some other interesting options as far as pass catchers go. So, all right, they could have any of those three three QBs. That's a pretty good measure. Which would they take? Would they take Ryan, Romo, or Flacco? I bet you they. I bet you. Well, see, that's blind, a particular blind resume. Thing. I mean, if you're talking, Arians likes throwing it deep, so you'd probably take Flacco. So that's yeah, probably that's, not a fair question. That seems like a, a good fit for him. I Plus, think Matt Ryan gets more love. In I, that I think Ryan. I think if it, let's pretend it wasn't the Cardinals, it's just a team like the Cardinals, and forget about their offensive system and all that stuff. I think I think um, Matt Ryan is the guy that yep. that 
people would Bengals? What if it was the Bengals? Which is why, but why does it have to be a team? I get, I get the but question. Because I think that, I, because, I think that helps us measure it. But, but then you're trying to, you're thinking immediately, system which, you know, what's the system? Stuff. How does he fit with the mesh with the other players around him? What I'm talking about is just decent team. What's the position? They're, they're lacking a quarterback. A team that you could say is on the verge of the playoffs. You know, being that caliber of team, essentially, will be but, more covered out in free agency. Right. And I think Matt Ryan overall, because Romo huh. is a little bit older. Flacco, even though he had that great run, he's shown way more lows in his career than Matt Ryan has shown. So Matt I think Ryan is super consistent. That's the yeah, one and, thing you can and, say and about free him. agency is based on your stats largely, and and uh, they probably would throw more money at him. They plus, where you're, plus where you're drafted, Matt uh, Ryan was, yeah, a, was a very high draft pick. Uh, all right, black tie. Not going to ask me about another quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. The rumors that he wants out of Pittsburgh, I say fat to those. All due respect to Ian Rappaport, I do not think he wants out of Pittsburgh. I buy. We've seen him you up should. there in some sketchy situations in his career, trying to defend himself, and he has he has a he has a. a, a I, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? I, I'm not saying it's uh, that you distrust his veracity but there's something about the way he said uh, though if you listen to him on Sunday I buy that he wants to stay in Pittsburgh this is where he's raising his family and so on and so forth I don't buy that he wants out but I do believe he's frustrated because he's a champion and he doesn't like that this team doesn't look like it's going to be good not only this year but next year as well so I buy that he's frustrated but I don't think it equals him wanting to go. Yeah I get that I'm with Uh, you. We should have gotten Ian Rappaport on this show. Yeah Black Mm. Tie. Can we get him later? Was he on the coaches? Call him. Was he on the I coaches' podcast? I got his number on my phone. Black tie. Let's are we done it. with the blacklist? Yeah, we're done. Are you going to do your thing? Are you guys ready? Yeah, do it. What Let's is do it? it? It's time for Black Tie's quarterback body language breakdown. <laughs> All righty, guys. We, people have been asking for it, so this is the first body language. Who's breakdown. been asking for it? A lot of people. This is the first body that was language. Our, that was the one-man house band, Dick Banks, yep. who made that song. You That's should give him a shout-out. Dick well. Banks definitely does great work, as always. Like I like I keep saying, once me and Dick Banks get in the studio, magic happens. But mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that He does, Banks like, so pretty good. much all the work. I just You should give him a shout-out. I mean, a real shout-out. Yeah, definitely. Dick he Banks overcomes the hindrance of black ties overproducing, right. which means it's even better. <laughs> Either way. All right, so for the first body language breakdown, guys, I'm going to give uh, a little primer here, the top five. Body language QBs in a league because a lot of people ask, "What's the skill? Who's good? Who's bad?" And the 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 grade is essentially which of these quarterbacks would you most want to play with? Who who do you think galvanizes his team the best? So, with that said, top five, number five, Andrew Luck. Shocker here, I know people think that, but for me, Andrew Luck is all about football. Not a commercial guy. Nothing phases him. He's just locked in. A bit too I think, locked in at times. I think that beard also. Well, prohibits yeah, exactly. him from from but great that's why he doesn't uh, endorsement care about, opportunities. That's why yeah. he doesn't care about anything else. He keeps that beard on, so you're not asking him for any commercials because he's locked in on the game. But that's only because he knows and accepts the fact that it's all on his shoulders. He's not going to call out any of his teammates. It's all about Andrew Luck. And interestingly enough, speaking of like, he hasn't necessarily had a great statistical progression from his rookie year. But I also think he's one of those guys who doesn't necessarily care. He's he's like a football player in every sense of the word. He's a linebacker body type. He's all about the game. So, Andrew Luck, for me, if you had a quarterback like that, you know you're going to war with. He's Defenders will respect him just looking at his frame and like right. his attitude. Number four. Number four. Shocker again, Phil Rivers. And this is a bit of a personal story for me. I used to be one of those guys who hated Phil Rivers and everything he stood for. He just looked like a complete 
We get it. Yeah, you know. So, but talking, I met him. Talking sass and everything yeah, constantly. But I yeah. met him, and he seems like a very swell guy. So he still, he, <laughs> he, uh, he jumped out to me as a put. But that's not based on body language. Wait, that's based on what you talk to well, him about. No, when I met him in person and his body language and vibe oh, okay. was, yeah. So he's a prototypical guy you you hate if it's not on your team, but love is on your team because he's just so fiery. Um, he goes to bat for his guys. He's not going to blame any of his guys. So that's number four. Number three, we brought him up earlier, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, oh. he is he's just a bro, man, who's out there having fun. <laughs> I kind of get that very vibe. Farm, very <laughs> Brett Favre-like. I do buy that. I, I buy that he is kind of that. He's just a, yeah. All, I mean, he went to Georgia. All-out gamer. He's not going to blame Steamy. He's out there just slinging it. That's that's what he's about. What I see in him fun. is, what I'll say about Stafford is, I see that he has a sort of a glimmer in his eye that basically acknowledges, ah, yeah, we'll see, whatever. But but I have the best arm. I know, yeah, exactly. I, I know that much. Yep. I know exactly. that. I can, and also that a bit like, you know, the play's called, and he's and you see him, and he's like, I, I don't really understand what that means. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I do think I can throw the ball to Megatron. Yeah. That's, in that's, this situation, I think that would be the best play. So I think that's what that's that what guy. Just it's just that guy, like, yeah, you know what? I know it's we could talk about a lot of different things, but ultimately, I'm better than you. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the vibe he gives off in a good way. I mean, see, yeah. but by the way, his touchdown pass to Chris Durham against the Bears on Sunday, he had one-on-one coverage with Megatron down on the sideline. Megatron completely beat his guy. Still made a more difficult pass to Durham. I think just because he wanted to show people, you know what? I can throw it to other people too. Boom. Once a game. I yep. think, you know what? <laughs> Once and, a game. And, and I'll I, do it. I think he was upset with people who play fantasy football, and he was like, oh, watch this one. I know Megatron's yeah. super open. Durham. Boom. Right. Touchdown. Only two spots remain. I, right. I can't wait to see who it if, is. Oh, All right. Let's I go. Know it's I think be. I know one. All right, so number two is my main man, Russell Wilson, as you guys already well, know. Not your main man, apparently. Not your number no. two How man. is he not number well, one? Well, relax. You know, he throws a sexy deep ball. You know, I'm a big fan of that. But his body language, for one, is another guy who I've met. And, um, you know, during Pro Bowl, we, we didn't hang out. I just worked with him. Oh, so, my you know. God. Either way, he's another guy like Luck who's all about football. The difference is, though, with, with Russell is he's the kind of guy who can hang out with the cool kids. He's that guy in school <laughs> Who would hang out and party with everyone, but then when it came time for finals, he still got an A+. Plus. I'm sad Except- to say when he threw on the uh, on the flea flicker on Sunday, when he got that ball and, and threw it uh, on the spot in the end zone, my first thought was black tie is right. He throws a sexy deep ball. And then I, and then I really had to question what I'm all about. That, 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 that was my thought. Shout out to me because I, I referenced that when I have to read the highlights for Fantasy Life. I'll throw out a sexy deep ball reference just for, you know, the DDFP <laughs> listeners. Have I ever gotten a shout out for that? No. But it's, it's okay. Here we go, everybody. Number one on the body language report. Is that what it's called? The body language. You know what? I'm going to tweet this out and spoil it. Because <laughs> it'll, com- uh, it'll, it'll, it'll combine Black Tie's least favorite things. Oh, <laughs> Number one. Number one. Uh goes to Drew Brees. No! Drew Brees is the number one no. body language With that dumb dance, with the, the dumb Drew Brees is all fake, Black Tie. As, as a body language expert, I wish I knew that you'd let, see through it. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's fake when he goes home, but amongst his team, when he's hanging out with his teammates, he's like, to me, he's the Obama of the NFL. He can blend it into any crowd. No. And he, it looks fake. He blends <laughs> into any crowd. Like, you can tell, like, his pregame I think chance, some of the Tea Party people might disagree that he blends into any group. <laughs> his, uh, his pregame chants, you know, he can 
he just he's just he's just hanging out with the guys having fun. But a great leader. He's he's focused. He's all about the game. And uh, so I go, number one goes to Drew Brees, guys. All right, listen, you're the expert. I'd like to disagree, but I ultimately am out of my depth trying to do so. So, I, so I'll let it be. What did we think? Did we do that again, Hansel? I, I look, I, I, I love the idea. I love the top four, and uh, well, the, the five through two, and then he undermined his his authority to me at least by picking Drew Brees because Says I the, uh, think Miami Dolphins. Right? I wait. What? I mean, that's got nothing to do with anything right now, at least. Uh, but I think Drew Brees. Every time I see him do that, I, I, a little bit of me cringes. I feel we should do this every t- – this should come out every Tuesday. Black Tie should publish his list. Top five body language rankings. I don't feel like it's going to change that much. I like the, the bones of, of it. I like the bones of it, but I don't like that Black Tie used it as an opportunity to name drop on more than one occasion. <laughs> I've met him. Didn't he do it on every <laughs> single one? <laughs> Funny right, story, but, top two on the list, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Yeah, you know, sort of worked with them at Pro Bowl once again. Oh, wait, Chad you hadn't out. actually said that about Drew Brees until now. <laughs> so, yeah, so these are all people you've met then. How no, many of these quarterbacks all. have filed – uh, restraining orders in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. are, are you guys? Oh surp- no, it's that guy again. <laughs> oh, are you guys great. surprised anyone's not on the list? No. Body language? I don't know. I like how Tom Brady comports himself, even though people give him the give him the biz. Well, you know, I like Roethlisberger. Uh, yeah. Roethlisberger um, does the whole "I'm injured" thing a bit too much. Shouldn't you have a thing about? Shouldn't you have a thing though about like uh, defensive guys that are just they cut a scary sort of figure? I wouldn't want to see. I wouldn't want to look over there and see Marshawn Lynch because he's massive man. So I would. His body language indicates to me I'm about to run over you. I wouldn't like that. Um, but shouldn't there be a but really that's scary? Not, that's not Black Tie's area of expertise. Yeah, the the reason why it's so important with the quarterback is because he's that guy in the huddle. He's in the middle yeah. of the huddle. He has to galvanize his teammates. And it, it, wide receiver, running back, you're all you're by yourself in an island. The quarterback is the key. It's quarterback right. league, guys. Okay, I see. You're right. You're right. All right. Listen, I have nothing to add to it. Terrific stuff, uh, Black Tie, <laughs> top to bottom, and uh, and thanks to Daniel Jeremiah for his excellent work. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention it at the top of the show. I guess I'll do it next. Drop us a line on our weekend preview. Uh, Black tie, rank, handsome has not yet appeared on it. He refuses to do so. I don't know what to make of that. That's one controversy, that black tie, I mean, that handsome refuses to make an appearance on something. Like he's some prima donna to high hat us. I blame black tie. Has he even been invited? I've invited him. It's a 20 or 25 minute long preview on nfl.com be on the lookout for it it comes out when thursday night friday morning it is as it describes it gets you ready for the weekend upcoming in pro football um so anyway so be on the lookout for that maybe handsome you can even join us this week yeah i don't do makeup oh for crying out so handsome you don't need it all right well listen so we got one more podcast coming at you this week before can i do plus the check report yes do a shout out I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just, that's it. I'm done. I just wanted to mention the Sheck Report uh, will be up there Tuesday night. Very nice. And if it's past Tuesday night, then it's probably already up there. Yeah, there you go. Now go ahead. Sarah Peters, one of our esteemed listeners. Oh, yeah. She sent me some cufflinks. Awesome. I saw that you, Dick, I know that she kibitzes with you about Dick your cufflinks. Dastard, Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Wow, Love we have talked guys. about them on this show, yeah, about yeah. the, the, the Laugh Olympics. The Laugh Olympics and everything like that, and they had their own spinoff, too. Well, they had their own cartoon as well. How awesome. That's and now fantastic. Now he pissed up all yeah. those guys. Yeah. Do you guys so. remember that one episode they finally won? Yes, I did. And then they got disqualified? Yes. <laughs> I believe. Hey, who can do a good Muttley? I believe. I, I, I bet you can. 
I don't, I, I don't want to embarrass myself with it. <laughs> I can't see. It's, it's... Now is not the time to yield. <laughs> is that Motley? No. no. I just am going back to, to one of my... Uh, one of my best. But I did want to thank Sarah for sending yeah, us along. Yeah, that's awesome. They're pretty cool. I can't wait to uh, wear Now, them. is she? I always, I, I, I'm pretty sure she's an indie music person. That's why oh, she's yeah. indie, indie Sarah. Indie right? Sarah. Because okay. it's. Maybe we should bring her on here to talk indie music sometime. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be a cool thing. Um, all right. That's it. Black tie. You'll look into Ian Rappaport talking yep. about because there's a lot of talk back in Pittsburgh about the veracity or lack thereof of Rappaport's report. He stands by it for the records. A lot of the local journalists, though, say, how, where does he get this? We didn't know it. So it's an interesting uh, yarn that I'd like to explore a little further. Maybe we get a player or two as well to kibitz with. All right, listen, I hope things went your way this past week, and if not, I'm sure they'll work out in week 11 for you and your pro football team. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.